The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, I'm delighted to talk again to Sheikh Hamza Karamali. You're most welcome, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here again. Great to have you back, sir. Hamza, for those who don't know, is the founder of Basira Education, where he trains teachers, scholars, imams, and chaplains how to help Muslims come to their own realizations that Islam is true. He teaches many online courses around the general theme of proving that Islam is true. He specializes in developing Islamic educational responses to the problem of atheism. You can get a taste of his work by going to KoranicCaseForGod.com uh, to get a free video series on a powerful Quranic argument for the existence of God that will, he says, silence any atheist and there's a link in the description below uh, he's recently written a paper called theological information on the existence of intelligent life outside our solar system metaphysics scripture and science i was i was surprised to discover that there is a field of study around the theology of aliens i've never heard of this before i must say in all my theology reading this is a, a new thing for me and also intelligent extra, extraterrestrial life. And this field of study is called exotheology, exotheology. And, and um, Hamza has written um, a paper uh, on exotheology. Can you just tell us a bit about what exotheology is and what kinds of questions it investigates? Yeah, so Hamza, thanks for introducing me. The paper will be part of an edited volume edited by Shoaib Malik, who's a guest, uh, regular guest at your on your channel, and uh, also Matthias uh, Detterman. It's called Islam um, and Exotheology. So Exotheology is, it's an instance of the broader discussions between religion and science. So it's the theological counterpart of a new scientific field called astrobiology. So biology studies life. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Earth, astrobiology goes beyond the Earth, beyond the solar system, to study life outside Earth, extraterrestrial, uh, you know, outside outside Earth. Mm-hmm. So we've now discovered that the universe is greater than we've ever known it to be. Mm. Close to 100 billion light years has billions of galaxies. Each galaxy has billions of stars, um, presumably. All of these stars have, or a large number of these stars have planets like our own. And so the argument goes that if we turned up on one planet of one star, then surely there must be other beings like us on other planets in other galaxies that are or planets that are orbiting other stars. So there's a search in astrobiology for something called exoplanets. Exoplanets are planets outside our solar system. So stars are easy to spot because they emit uh, light, they emit energy, so you can spot them with telescopes. But planets are, they're very small and they don't emit anything. So Mm -hmm. they're a lot more difficult to spot. The first exoplanet was spotted in the 1990s and to date we've discovered about a couple of thousand exoplanets. And so the search, there's a search for um, extraterrestrial life on these planets. And right now it's in the realm of, is life possible on these planets? Are these planets candidates for um, intelligent life outside our solar system? Is the star the right size? Is the kind of, is the planet a rocky planet like Earth or is it a gaseous planet like Jupiter? Is it the right distance from, from the sun? Um, is it in the right location in the galaxy? And so they're, they're identifying candidates. And the hope amongst the scientific community is that as our um, abilities to observe, um, and who knows, maybe one day visit these places um, uh, improves, maybe we will discover intelligent life like our own. So this is astrobiology. A lot of money is... is uh, being spent on this research. And this raises theological questions. Um, And uh, meaning that if we were to discover 
um, intelligent life like our own, then what implications would that have for our own religious beliefs as uh, Muslims or it, it rose out of a Christian context or Christians or for Jews? And, um, and then also a little bit more of a hypothetical is that do these beings have their own religious beliefs? Mm. And what, <laughs> what problems might we pose to them? Um, so this, this field, it's called exotheology. Um, Christians have written a lot in this field. Muslims haven't that much. And so uh, this uh, volume that was edited by Shoaib and Matthias. And it, it, is, this, um, is this volume that you're, you contributed to, is this a first in terms of specifically Islamic uh, publishing on this subject, do you think? Yeah, it's the first, uh, it's the first uh, academic like, publishing on, on the subject. Wow, so this is a groundbreaking uh, work. Uh, amazing. Uh, look forward to, to seeing it. Well, when's it coming out? Do you know yet? Um, it went to the publisher. Uh, just a couple of days ago, mm. so it should be out soon. Soon, inshallah. Well, I look at uh, look out for that. I might do a, another video on that when it comes out, inshallah. So, your your work centers around proving um, that Islam is true, which seems like a very important thing to do. But I can't help wonder why you chose to write a paper about the theology of extraterrestrials. I think there must be some importance to it, but it can seem rather unimportant to some. Why a theology of aliens and how does that affect our lives? And why is it important for a Muslim specifically to know about this? Yeah, I mean, I get asked that question often. You know, there's uh, problems of atheism and you're talking about aliens. <laughs> like, you know, what's the, is it important? Is it not important? So it actually is important, surprisingly enough. Mm. And in order to understand why, we need to kind of step back um, into where these discussions came from. And all science religion discussions, they originate in the encounter of Christianity with science in the Enlightenment period and everything that happened at that time. So um, if we go into the Christian context, the, for Christians, there's, uh, there's a number of problems and it, they all come from this idea that um, there's a human being or a son of God or divine or however, you know, the, the Trinity is resolved. But, uh, but Jesus was a human and God, um, you know. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply from their perspective, who um, died for the salvation of other human beings. So we attain salvation by accepting his, um, his sacrifice. So from the Christian perspective, um, this poses two main problems. The first is a problem of salvation. Mm -hmm. um, so if 
intelligent extraterrestrial life exists and they don't know about uh, Jesus, then what, how are they saved? So this is, I don't think this is a, uh, this has come up a lot in, in Christian writings on the topic, but it's not actually unique to extraterrestrials because this salvation problem also exists for um, human beings prior to Christianity, prior to the advent of Jesus, right? So, so as Muslims, we have a salvation history of uh, prophets and messengers coming since the first human being, a uh, consistent message, uh, con and, uh, and it continues. Whereas um, for Christianity, it's just an event happening out of the blue, and then what happens early, what ha and, and so it's the same problem. Um, and for us, I think I'll, I'll show you, there's actually a hadith which uh, seems to say that aliens um, have prophets and messengers. <laughs> We're going to be looking at that hadith. So, so it's not going to be a problem for us. Um, the second issue, I think, is more significant for us as Muslims. And mm -hmm. that's this idea of human specialness. Oh. So the history of the science religion debate goes back to um, the Galileo affair when Galileo said that the, that maybe it's the uh, sun that's the center of the universe um, or, or the solar system, center of the solar system and not the earth. Um, a move from a geocentric view of the universe to a heliocentric view of the solar system. So he was, um, he was tried, he was prosecuted, placed under house arrest. Um, and then there was Copernicus who, um, who, who said whose theories um, were vindicated by Newton um, and his laws of planetary motion. And we came, so in the, in the Christian experience, in the Western experience, um, this idea of, uh, of human beings being at the center of the universe, it is intertwined, the most important thing in the universe, it's intertwined with a struggle with science. So, uh, so uh, what uh, what goes on underneath the surface of uh, this scientific search for the existence of extraterrestrial life is that human beings aren't important. We mm -hmm. just inhabit an insignificant planet on uh, that that orbits an insignificant star in an insignificant galaxy. There's probably millions of other people like us. Uh, and religious people who think that uh, human beings are important and the universe is made for them, um, they are, uh, they're, not only are they, are they deluded, it's unscientific to hold that belief, not only is that the case, so the claim goes, but it also, it gets in the way of science and we need to get rid of this way of thinking. Uh, so, I remember uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, famously uh, the professor at uh, Cambridge University, who, who passed away a couple of years ago, um, saying, if I remember rightly, was the effect that human beings are, are like scum on the surface of an insignificant planet in, in the middle of nowhere. He had a very, very negative view. And it's curious that his own supervisor, when he did his PhD, another eminent scientist at Cambridge, completely disagreed with this and um, had a, a view that was more um, more sympathetic to the theistic uh, point of view. But the view you outline is certainly held by some very prominent uh, scientists and others uh, although it is, as I say, pushed back by other scientists. Yeah, and so that's why I actually wrote this, uh, wrote the paper, because what I found is that Muslims are are quick to say that 
Um, there's nothing in the Quran that contradicts the existence of extraterrestrial life. Extraterrestrial life can exist, and um, and it lies within the power of God to create intelligent extraterrestrial life and leave it at that. So, um, so I think that we, I think that's true, um, but we need to go beyond that and we go and say that if intelligent extraterrestrial life exists, then human beings still retain some kind of a um, special status in the, on the cosmic scale and yeah. that our religious beliefs commit us to that. And that doesn't go against, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you can, it doesn't go against any, it doesn't stand in the way of the progress of science and scientific discoveries. So, um, that's, so that's why I think it's important. And with, and in popular culture now with uh, science fiction and aliens everywhere, um, uh, this when we uh, when our children consume these um, uh, uh, these stories um, they watch things then there's a subliminal message of the unimportance of human beings that uh, permeates into their minds and I think it, it has a it's a, um, it can lead to um, to problems in, in religious belief down the line so I think it needs to be that's the Okay, well, your paper, as I mentioned, is called Theological Information on the Existence of Intelligent Life Outside Our Solar System, Metaphysics, Scripture, and Science, end quote. What exactly do you mean by theological information? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, when we search for intelligent extraterrestrial life, we do it based on scientific information. So we make observations. Uh, we gather results, we examine them, and we come to conclusions regarding physical physical observations. So um, I think that as a as believers, um, that in the Quran, that the Quran is the word of God, um, we have access to another source of knowledge. And traditionally, the way that Muslims have done science is that. That there, there hasn't been a separation between your um, scientific study of the world and doing experiments and between your religious belief and your belief in angels and your belief in jinn and your belief in the afterlife. It's all an integrated whole. Yeah. So, um, so, so, as, so when I examine a question, it's natural for me to do science, but also to turn to uh, turn to scripture and see well what does it have to say and is there any in, and is there any information um, in uh, in scriptural sources on intelligent extraterrestrial life and that should inform uh, my uh, my scientific inquiry and there's nothing wrong with that um, and I believe based on evidence that it is from the creator of the universe and he knows what he created so uh, you know why it's uh, there's a, so that's that's where the title comes from it's theological information on this. Um, that should um, that should that we should be cognizant of as we um, engage in this scientific study. Okay. Uh, what I find I often push back on this when I when I were well, a couple of colleagues uh, of yours who've said this already um, that we already believe, do we not, in angels and jinn? And, and doesn't that kind of mean that we have clear evidence of existence of intelligent life that is not from this planet, if you like, extraterrestrial life? So don't we already believe in angels and jinn anyway? So that, that that's a dimension that uh, you don't appear to factor that in into your into your analysis. Yeah, that's that's correct. And uh, so, in, and angels would fit the definition of 
extraterrestrial, if what you mean by extraterrestrial is something that does not um, inhabit, whose place of habitation, whose home isn't planet Earth. So mm -hmm. angels are celestial beings. Um, they go back and forth between the heavens and between Earth. They fulfill God's decrees, his commands. Um, they do things, uh, they bring rain. Uh, and uh, you know, there's uh, the angels of punishment, and they protect us. So they are, they're part of our cosmology and, uh, and they are extraterrestrial in this sense. Um, however, however, when, if, if we look at the discussion of intelligent extraterrestrial life and the theological problems that it poses for us, such as the problem of human specialness, then in that context, when, um, when a scientist uh, who, you know, naturalist, doesn't believe in religion, when he's searching for intelligent extraterrestrial life in order to undermine the importance of human beings, if, if that's, you know, like, it's, um, it's uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that that's his motivation because it could be just like he's curious, right? But but if there's but it, it, let's say that that that's that is a it's an underlying um, underlying goal, um, unstated goal. Then the kind of extraterrestrial life that he'll be looking for is like a green alien with antlers, or uh, or you know like a, these uh, humanoid uh, species that inhabit some other planet and they go around in spaceships and all of these things they're made of the same kind of stuff that we're made of and um and that for scientists is mass energy existing in space time something that you can examine underneath a microscope you can extrapolate from the the uh, experiments that you do in a laboratory on earth so they're they're the kind of alien that they're looking for it's something like that, um, and in their mind. So, so why? So the the astrobiology is like evolution. So evolution, um, there's a scientific aspect to it, but there's also that that subliminal message is also there that if human beings share an ancestor with chimpanzees and they're part of the tree of life, then they're not privileged. They don't hold a privileged status on Earth. They're just like any other animal. So it's what? Quite a materialist explanation, isn't it? It deliberately excludes not only God, but in design, teleology, a sense of meaning, yeah. of purpose, a spiritual dimension, all these other dimensions, which are extremely real, are right. systematically excluded um, and giving the impression thereby of objectivity. But in fact, it's a reductionist. Um, explanation is it not of of uh, our existence it's not a complete one but nevertheless this yeah. reductionist then is seen as the complete one um uh, ironically because it's uh, anything but um and um so it's, it's one of the for me as personally anyways this is one of the uh, misgivings i have about the way some science in the west is uh, um explained and not all science because a lot of this is, is very particular in particular areas but when it's when a meta-narrative is offered, it's often in a very materialist, reductionist way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yes, mm. that's right. And so this reductionism to, on the cosmic scale, is to say not that we share an ancestor with a chimpanzee, but it's that our atoms and molecules with which we are made up of 
and the chemical processes that gave rise to life on Earth, naturalistic, non-miraculous, reductionist perspective, it leads to a broader kind of relationship with with intelligent extraterrestrials elsewhere in the universe. Mm. So this this kind of uh, this so the this uh, the the kind of intelligent extraterrestrial that will help them in their meta narrative is not an angel, it's not a jinn, but it's this kind of an alien. So uh, so just for the sake of focus in the paper, I I excluded. Uh, angels and jinn and jinn actually like i think that you could make an argument that they are they are terrestrial beings they oh, no, this is true before, yeah. before, before before human beings but yeah. uh uh so uh, so i i exclude angels and jinn okay. all your points well taken but just to uh, you know closely and and enter the conversation where it's at so mm-hmm. um i mean i imagine it's possible for god to create anything and and if he wills surely uh, he can create aliens it lies within his power doesn't it yeah yeah, right. That's in Allah Verily, Allah is able to realize any contingent possibility. That's how um, the uh, traditional scholar of Tafsir would explain this um, this verse. So we have. So what you just articulated is a uh, metaphysics of contingency. Mm. Um, so it's a view of the world where everything is dependent on God. God can realize any possibility. He's the one who makes the sunshine. He's the one who makes the wind blow. And so an intelligent extraterrestrial is just any other contingent thing, and he can realize it. And he can realize it through um, uh, natural means, or he can realize it through miraculous means. So, so, so there's a that's our perspective. Now, if we kind of contrast that to the perspective of the scientist who is searching for intelligent extraterrestrial life in the universe, he doesn't see the universe in this way. He sees the universe as um, necessary relationships between things in the universe, laws of nature, inviolable. Um, and what he is searching for is he's, he's working within the constraints of the laws of nature and saying that if I understand how these laws of nature, which from his perspective are um, inherent, necessary, not dependent on anything, do they entail, can they entail, if I understand them deeply, can they entail intelligent extraterrestrial life elsewhere in the universe? So in order for us to enter the discussion, the first thing we need to do is we need to make we need to clarify that when I, as a Muslim, enter uh, the the scientific world, then I don't assume your metaphysics of naturalism, but I have a metaphysics of contingency. So it it, it lies within the power of God to realize any contingent thing, including aliens, intelligent extraterrestrials, mm-hmm. so it's possible. Um, and this comes from an argument um, argument from contingency, which we talked about earlier mm-hmm. uh, in one of our episodes. It's also, you also referenced it in the Quranic Case for God um, video series where I think the viewers can go in and watch it, yep. watch it, learn about it more in the description. Description below, yeah. Um, so, uh, the but what this perspective so in the paper the first part of the paper is metaphysics and that's what this that's what this part of the paper right. shows and it um this tells us that it's possible it's possible 
for intelligent extra extraterrestrial life to exist, but it doesn't tell us whether it actually exists or actually doesn't exist. We're just in the realm of possibility. Mm. So if we want to, uh, if you want theological information about whether or not they actually exist, we need to go deeper and we need to, we need to examine um, verses or hadiths to see if there's anything there that tells us about uh, intelligent existence. Ah, well, on that question, are there any uh, verses or hadiths that talk explicitly about intelligent extraterrestrials? Actually, there is. So um, there's, um, so I just draw up a slide. Um, it comes from a verse in the Quran. There's a discussion around a verse in the Quran mm. uh, in Surah Al-Talaq. And in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he mentions uh, not just seven heavens, but seven earths. So it says that, that Allah is the one who created the seven heavens and of the earth, the like thereof. Of the earth, the like thereof. And so most scholars have understood like thereof to mean like thereof in number. So seven heavens and seven earths. So what is meant by seven earths? Now the dominant interpretation amongst uh, scholars is that it's there's one it's our earth and there's layers down um, in this um, in this earth. But there are some who have historically held that seven earths mean seven other planets, seven other worlds. And um, and this is a uh, this is a an exegesis of this verse um, that's um, ascribed to Ibn Abbas. Um, really? It's on the next slide. Who was a companion of the Prophet, hmm. sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, he uh, he um, he said, one second. So he he said uh, that there are seven earths, and on every earth there is a prophet like your prophet, an Adam like Adam, a Noah like Noah and Abraham like Abraham, and a Jesus like Jesus. So it's a very interesting statement from Ibn Abbas because it shows a theological difference. So the problem of salvation is not, it's not a problem for us because just as we can have a salvation history of prophets and messengers here, this hadith is actually, if it's interpreted to refer to intelligent extraterrestrial life, it's saying the same thing over there. So that particular problem in exotheology is not is not really a problem for us. Um, however, however, this hadith. Uh, so, so first of all, this is this hadith. It's a statement of a companion. It's not a statement of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, the companion was very knowledgeable, Abdullah bin Abbas. Um, he's considered uh, by the scholars of Tafsir as one of the most knowledgeable of the companions in Quranic interpretation. He was a young companion. Um, he learned from the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet made, made a prayer for him that, oh Allah, teach him the interpretation of the Qur'an. And he learned from many other companions. He was held in high regard by Sayyidina Umar. He used to ask him, he used to consult him. So he's a great scholar of tafsir and, and he's widely quoted in tafsir literature. However, this hadith, which is a statement of Ibn Abbas, it's a classical example of a kind of hadith that's called an anomalous hadith by the scholars of, uh, of the hadith sciences, say a shad hadith. Um, so there's a famous um, book 
of Hadith criticism called Tadrib al-Rawi, written by Suyuti, widely studied in the classical seminaries. And he mentions this Hadith as, a, as an anomalous Hadith. He, he cites an early Hadith authority called, named Bayhaqi, who said that, who's the one who actually narrates the Hadith. Um, and he said that the chain is authentic, but the Hadith is anomalous. It's strange. Well, 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 it's what, is, what, what does anomalous mean in this context? I'm not sure what, what, we're, what we're saying here. So it means that uh, it means that uh, the uh, so he, he says he has he expands on it elsewhere. Right. Actually, in, in that same statement, he says that there are. So if you look at the chain of transmission, there are two narrations, both narrated by Bayhaqi. And the seven earths had you start at the top, you come down from the seven earths hadiths, you see Ibn Abbas in both places. Yeah. And then from Ibn Abbas, you see a narrator whose name is Abu Duha. It's the same. So both of these, they go back to Abu Duha. And then from Abu Duha, then the chain diverges. So you have Ibn Abbas, Abu Duha, and then multiple people narrating from Abu Duha. So when uh, there are in, in the hadith uh, uh, community, you have hadiths that are narrated by many, 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 many people. And uh, from very early on, there, there's a companion. And from that companion, many people took it from the companion. And there's many people took it from, 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 from the followers. It's mm -hmm. a widely well-known hadith. And there are other hadiths that are narrated from a companion by just one individual. Mm -hmm. Now, when there's, when there's just one individual, the scholars of hadith are careful. There, because they because when because there's no corroborating oh, uh, reports, they yeah. they will say that it there, it may be that this person has made a mistake. So it's a solitary so, solitary uh, attested hadith. It's not mutawata, multiply attested clearly by many many people, and yeah. so that this unique solitary hadith, which had fairly unusual content, perhaps. That's the second part. It's a solitary uh, hadith with a unique, unusual content. Right. And so the, the combination of these two things, when they, when they have, they say that, that in order, it's, it's, it's unusual content, which is, is quite significant because um, intelligent extraterrestrial life with prophets like the Prophet Muhammad elsewhere and like noah like it's a it's a major thing so uh so for uh, you know it, for something like this for us to accept this as revelatory evidence that comes from god through the prophet muhammad it needs it needs further attestation it is insufficiently attested to strange report and so when they see something like this they'll say it's anomalous they say it's shaz and they'll say that even though the narrators in in the chain are reliable. Even a, even a, even a reliable narrator can make a mistake, and so it appears here that there is a mistake that's been made. So mm. uh, so since the earliest of times, the scholars of hadith they they cited this as an example, classic example. They said textbook example of an anomalous hadith. If you see uh -huh. something like this, then 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 judge it to be inauthentic. Um, so. But there's something interesting that, that we that we gain from here, and that's that when they say it's anomalous, it means that there's no attestation, and it means that 
there's no other explicit verse or hadith mm. in the hadith corpus that speaks about intelligent extraterrestrial life. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said it's anomalous. Yeah. So yeah. we can get we we can glean that from this hadith and and what that um, what that uh, so even so that actually leaves us at the same place that we were after our metaphysical analysis, which is that it's possible it lies within the power of God to create intelligent extraterrestrial life. There's nothing. So this is a quote from a late Mufassir, um, Mahmoud al-Alusi. He wrote um, Ruh al-Ma'ani, um, uh, an Iraqi scholar. And he, he said that if this report were to be true, then there's nothing, it wouldn't conflict with anything else. Um, it's metaphysically possible. It's theologically possible, uh, mm. but it's just insufficiently attested to. And that's, so, so that is the theological, that's one aspect of the theological information that we have about um, the existence of uh, intelligent extraterrestrial life, that it's metaphysically possible and it's also theologically uh, possible. So, so in other words, scripture neither affirm nor negates it, although there is an interesting um, discussion um, from which we can uh, learn a number of things. Hmm. So, I mean, are, are you are you saying really that uh, if intelligent extraterrestrial life does exist, it must be less special than than human beings? Um, yeah. So that's that's the second part of the analysis. So, so this is the first part of the analysis. Does it exist? Does it not exist? The second part of the analysis is that if it exists. If it exists, then um, what implications does it have for uh, human specialness? So, human specialness is a um, is a uh, is a is, it's a concept that needs to be properly understood. So, it, it doesn't mean uh, there's a verse in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says that we created human beings in the best of forms. And then we reduce them to the lowest of the low. Mm, so yeah. the fact that human beings are special doesn't mean that they are inherently um, the best thing and most beloved thing to God. They have to do something to, to become that way. Um, and uh, so the specialness of human beings refers to a potentiality that may be realized by some of them, may not be realized by some of them. So actually, so if an intelligent extraterrestrial were to exist, actually a particular intelligent extraterrestrial might be more special, more beloved by God than a particular human being, because a particular human being made bad choices and, um, and went to the hellfire, and the intelligent extraterrestrial made good choices and he goes to paradise. Mm -hmm. But just like the jinn, uh, humans and jinn, same, same idea. Um, but human beings have a, uh, they, they have, they have, they have a higher potential and there's a cosmic significance that they uh -huh. have that, uh, that's mentioned, um, in the story of creation is, uh, it's related to, um, human beings. And uh, there are, um, a number of verses in the Quran that, um, that illustrate this. Um, and there's also some statements from, from scholars. So what I did in this paper, it's, a uh, in this paper, I assumed 
I assumed I worked from within the Sunni scholarly tradition. So meaning that within the Sunni scholarly tradition, there are a number of positions on which the late uh, uh, scholarly tradition kind of coalesces on. And they are they're considered givens. Um, and so one of these, and so I worked within these givens. I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I explained where these givens are coming from, but I hope to explain it in greater detail in a, in a, in a future article. So in the second um, set of slides, um, this kind of a statement is typical amongst, uh, amongst uh, the scholars of Hadith, amongst the scholars of Tafsir. This is from a scholar called Abdul Rauf al-Munawi. He's the author of a book called Faydul Qadir, which is a commentary on Suyuti's um, compilation, alphabetical um, listing of, uh, of, of uh, a very large number of short hadiths from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's widely cited. So he said that Allah has surely honored the human being more than everything else that he has created. He is the cream, the quintessence, and the purpose of the universe. He is the one for whom he has subjugated everything in the heavens and the earth. This is interesting. There's a verse um, that, that comes, that, that he's alluding to uh, when he says this. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, don't you see that Allah has subjugated to you, for you, lakum has both meanings, subjugated to you, for you, i.e. for your benefit, everything in the heavens and everything in the earth. So this is actually now, there's, uh, there's uh, some very interesting work that's been done by Michael Denton of mm. the Discovery Institute, where he's argued scientifically that human beings have a privileged place in the universe. So he says, he says that, yes, Copernicus displaced human beings from the physical, from being the physical center of the universe. But when you, but when you, this is what design, this is what the design in the universe shows. So any argument from design that you make, the fine tuning of the constants of the universe, um, the distance of the earth from the sun, the length of the night and day, they, all of these arguments, they're based on this idea that if the universe had been a little bit different, then we would not have existed. Mm. We would not have existed. So mm. there's, an, there's an anthropocentric aspect to design arguments. And mm. so from this perspective, like scientists who make this argument, they say that, 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 that what I observe in the universe shows that actually we are special. Things have been made. And there's an interesting book that just came out last year, um, which I got delivered from Amazon just two days ago. The Miracle of Man, the Fine-Tuning of Nature for Human Existence by Michael Denton, who you mentioned. And if I may, on, on the back cover, can I just read to you um, yeah. An extraordinary uh, review of this book. Um, he's Michael Denton, by the way, is senior fellow with the Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture. This is a, the Michael um, uh, uh, Stephen Mayer's um, Institute, I suppose, in, yeah. in America, uh, Mayer. And on the back cover, it says the following. There's a great bit of writing this. For years, leading scientists and science popularizers have insisted humans are nothing special in the cosmic scheme of things. In this important and provocative new book, this one, The Miracle of Man, renowned biologist Michael Denton argues otherwise. According to Denton, the cosmos is stunningly fit, not just for cellular life, 
not just for carbon-based animal life and not even just for air-breathing animals, but especially for bipedal, land-roving, technology-pursuing creatures of our general physiological design. In short, the cosmos is specifically fit for creatures like us. Drawing on discoveries from a myriad of scientific fields, Denton masterfully documents how contemporary science has revived humanity's special place in the assemblage of uh, special place in nature, I should say. So he's reviving this idea of the anthropocentric uh, cosmos, as you just said, the man-centered universe. Yeah. The human person, as revealed by modern science, is no contingent assemblage of elements, an irrelevant afterthought in the co of cosmic evolution, Denton writes. Rather, our destiny was inscribed in the light of stars and the properties of atoms since the beginning. Now we know that all nature sings the song of man. Our seeming exile from nature is over. We now know what the medieval scholars only believed, that the underlying rationality of nature is indeed manifest in human flesh. And with this revelation, the delusion of humankind's irrelevance on the cosmic stage has been revoked. There we are, end quote. Uh, so that's a, quite a nice bit of prose there. Um, yeah. this, this is a, I mean, I can't really show you, but there's lots of diagrams and quotes from the latest scientific uh, evidence um, about, um, well, the earth we live in and our bodies, uh, whether it be breathing, circulation, oxygen, um, and many other things as well to demonstrate his um, hypothesis that yeah. uh, the fine tuning of nature is for human existence itself. Yeah, his, I, I, I highly recommend his books. I, I actually use them. And uh, because what he does is he gathers uh, scientific information from the perspective of a religious believer who says that God made this universe for mankind. And so, and so he, he expresses this view scientifically very, very well. And I think uh, something that, that, that we should, it should, should, it should uh, permeate our own uh, scientific education. Um, so that's why if we go back to the verse that I was, that I was uh, just uh, ex expounding, um, this verse, it said, that's what it says, that, that Allah has subjugated to you for your use, for your benefit, everything in the heavens and everything in the earth, meaning everything. And that's where this quote from Munawi, which the, the other Hadith scholars like Astalani has a commentary of Al, on Al-Bukhari, Mufassirun um, like uh, Al-Biqa'i, um, there's a whole host, you know, even in the Indian subcontinent, um, Maulana Ashraf Ali Tanvi, um, there, um, it's very widespread amongst the late, late Sunni scholarly community that um, that human beings are, um, that the universe has been made for human beings. Um, for human beings, not to uh, subjugate and make uh, atomic bombs and destroy humanity, but to use to worship God and, uh, and, and for our benefit to be grateful to God and to maximize the moral force that we release into the universe. So the, um, uh, so, so there's this verse, but then there's also um, other revelatory evidence. Um, so the the opening verses of the Quran that talk about um, the the creation of Adam is he's a special creation. 
Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that, that he created Adam with his own two hands, which is a figurative expression, meaning that it's, it's a very special, human beings are a special, divine, direct, miraculous creation of God. Um, and the fact that all the angels prostrated to Adam, it's mentioned as in the Quran, uh, the, it's understood by the scholars of Tafsir, as God telling me and you that, look, I, I, uh, I commanded the angels, the purest beings that I've created, they don't sin, to prostrate to your ancestor, and I raised your rank, you should be grateful. You should worship me alone and not take any partners beside me. That's 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 the opening, you know, uh, sections of Surah Al-Baqarah, um, and uh, and there's also another um, angle that I'll just mention very briefly here. But um, I hope uh, inshallah to write something more on this um, in the future. Which is that um, is that there, there's scholarly consensus that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the best of God's creation. And the most honored, everybody agrees. And he was a human being. And so, uh, and, and his humanity is related to his specialness. So, um, so what we, uh, what we need to do is we need to, uh, yes, we need to affirm that uh, it's possible for intelligent extraterrestrial life to exist. But I think we need to add the qualification that if it does, that um, there is a, uh, it uh, we still have a we still have a privileged location because we have theological not location but position um, because we have theological information that indicates that and how that will be inshallah if they're ever discovered um, we will find um, ways that will um, that will show this could be true. Mm. So what does everything that you've described mean for the scientific research for extraterrestrial life? So basically, it means that uh, that um, the if science, if a scientist were to discover the intelligent, uh, the existence of intelligent extraterrestrial life, it wouldn't conflict with anything that a Muslim, the mere existence would not conflict with anything that a, that a Muslim believes in. In fact, if you just go back to those slides that you had, uh, that you had. Um, there, there, there are there's actually verses in the Quran, like like this one, um, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and from his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth. And all of the dawab, dabba, all of the walking creatures. So a dabba in ancient Arabic is a creature that walks. So all of the walking creatures that he has scattered in both of them, fihima. So this verse, it led to uh, some uh, speculation amongst the exegetes because in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that there are walking creatures that, that he has scattered in the heavens and the earth, which seems to indicate that there are creatures that walk on other planets, in the universe. And some scholars of tafsir, like uh, Fakhruddin al-Razi, they actually said it's not far-fetched that God has created walking creatures. And they excluded angels from this because angels, um, they are not um, are not walking creatures. They they don't walk. That's not how they move. Uh, so, um, 
but there's other other interpretations of this. There's a figurative interpretation, which ended up being the dominant in the Muslim scholar tradition, which is that um, is that walking creature doesn't literally mean walking creature, but it means um, anything that's alive. And so they included angels in that, and they and they and they consistently interpreted it with human beings being the only uh, on Earth being the only intelligent life form. And there's another way to do it too, because if you say that. Uh, even if you say that intelligent life only exists on Earth, it's still true that the Earth, the earth is in the heavens. So the statement can still be true. The humans are scattered in, in the heavens and the Earth, i.e. on Earth, it's part of the heavens and the Earth. But this digression aside, um, whether this verse should be figuratively interpreted or literally interpreted, um, a scientific discovery of intelligent extraterrestrial life would solve the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's actually, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of how a scientific discovery can help us interpret a verse of the Quran. Because the assumption is that the one, actually not assumption, but uh, the, the evidence-based conclusion for Muslims because we have evidence that Islam is true, is that the one who is speaking in the Quran is the one who made the universe. So uh, he made the universe, he speaks in the Quran. So when I discover things about the universe and he talks about the universe, the two things go together. So this is actually interesting because it's an example of how not only would um, would a scientific discovery uh, of extraterrestrials not uh, go against um, anything that we believe in, it's actually theologically useful. Um, and it helps us understand a particular verse of the Quran. Um, but and the, and the qualification, so into, it's possible for intelligent extraterrestrial life to exist. But the the qualification of uh, of intelligent extraterrestrial life being less special than human beings, that also it's it's not a it's not a scientific question. So whether something is um, special or not with God. It's something that ultimately he has to tell us, um, and uh, and so that too would lie um, uh, beyond the scope of uh, of scientific inquiry. So the conclusion is that uh, that uh, is is that the search for intelligent extraterrestrial life um, would not, uh, you know, it whichever way it ends up, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't conflict with my belief as a Muslim, and it could be theologically useful to help me understand something mm. in a better way. Well, thank you. That's uh, extremely uh, I- interesting. I must say, it's a subject I know nothing about, apart from watching alien movies <laughs> from Hollywood. Uh, so not necessarily a reliable source of information about anything whatsoever. Um, so uh, thank you for this uh, emerging Islamic um, science or discipline, perhaps a better word, of uh, exotheologies. There's a new word. I wonder who coined this term. I must do some investigating and find out where this word came from, uh, this neologism. Um, but um, in conclusion then, don't forget to go to chroniccaseforgod.com, link in the description below, uh, where you can uh, watch a free video series on Quranic arguments for God's existence. Uh, that will, it says, silence any atheist. And I think it's a very powerful argument, actually. I can't think of any, any logical objections uh, to it, but people still might not believe it but hey um so thank you uh, very much sheikh uh, hamza karamali for your time and we look forward to um seeing your book which you've contributed to on on this uh subject out hopefully not too distant future inshallah well, uh, thank you so much thanks for having me paul always a pleasure until next time take care
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.